Snowball Spark. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Garrison Financial Friday out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. I haven't gotten a text from Scotty G saying that he's not going to be here, but he has not made it just yet. And so we will press on. Jared's gone as well. It was just me in the saddle here today. Man, I had some really good questions for Scott, too. But unfortunately, he is, uh, he's not with us so far this morning. I, I tell you what's what the, one of the best things about Thursday night football, Thursday night uh, high school football, is coming in here on Friday and maybe some of the maybe some of the texts that we ask for on the text line during the football broadcast. We don't get back to, uh, you know, right there after halftime and uh, probably should have been able to do that yet last night, just the way that game was going. But it was, uh, there's a lot of things outside of the game itself that were interesting to kind of comment on and watch. But uh, but, but coming back in here and, and seeing some of the, the comments that are sent to the text line, maybe, you know, after afterwards. And, oh man, our man, Will Bowie with just an absolute classic that we'll talk about here as we discuss the high school football from last night. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That is 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things, anything that's on your mind. we got high school football, college football coming up. It's a big weekend with a bunch of matchups between ranked opponents. I think we'll start to see a little bit of separation in what has been the best conference in the country, the Pac-12 with not only Washington and Oregon, but of course USC going to Notre Dame. So maybe a little bit of separation starts to kind of creep into that race out in the Pac-12 with some of these teams starting to play each other as we move along throughout October and then of course into November. So we got that, maybe some NFL, Major League Baseball. Boy, there is a bunch of whining going on about the way these playoffs have gone. Bunch of whining. People pointing out all kinds of crazy anomalies, I guess, maybe, with the teams that, that succeeded the most in the postseason, all gone. And I think out uh, the Braves' game two win, that four that comeback from 4 nothing down to win 5-4, was the only win in the postseason for any of the top four teams as far as regular season win totals. And there is a bunch of griping about that with the way the playoffs have gone. Get everybody's opinion on that as well. 225 9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225 9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of that stuff or whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime right in at 225 9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. You can log on to kadsam.com or you can download the app. The app's got it all. It's got. Uh, radio stations it's got the penny news a brand new edition of the penny news is out right now pick up a free copy of that penny news at your favorite local newsstand 
or you can check out the deals online at thepennynews.com. Of course, Big Elk and Paragon TV, dark for tonight because of fall break and the games being last night that we're about to discuss. But uh, normally on a Friday night, you can check out the high school football scene with Big Elk and Paragon TV. And of course, if you miss our show entirely, Skinny on Sports podcast is available each and every place any types of podcast drop. So you can check check that out. And <clears throat> believe it or not, there will be one today because I remembered to hit the record button right before, right as soon as the I heard the, the music start and I thought, oh, Jared's not here. I got to hit the record. So there will be, for better or worse, maybe, there will be a podcast of today's show. Um, let's go with the high school football from last night. Just almost everybody played all through the state of Oklahoma because of the the fall break. Big Elks on the road. Big game at Chickasha last night. Um, essentially, a win last night puts Elk City in the playoffs. Now, the order is definitely, it, it remains to be seen with what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. But with wins in the last two weeks now over Chickasha and Cash, uh, the Elks would have to really stumble down the stretch to not make the playoffs. So that, that was a big part of last night's game and a big part of last night's win, at least the carrot on, or the, the kind of the icing on top was that uh, a playoff spot is not completely secured, but, man, it's uh, for all intents and purposes, the Elks will be headed back to the playoffs. Now the, the question is, as what seed? Uh, it was it was a weird game. Uh, the wind was howling out of the south. I think even you know travel to get there was weird with with what happened on I forty. I know uh, didn't seem to affect the timing of the Big Elks, but I know Weatherford softball team kind of got caught up in in that trying to head to uh, to Shawnee, and so you know it, it was just kind of an odd night. Chickasha scored a touchdown right off the bat, kind of a scramble play, busted coverage in the middle. The Elks answered. It was eight to six, then it was fourteen to six. Chickasha though put together a drive, starting with about five and a half minutes left to play in the first half, trailing fourteen to six. And uh, it's capped off by Cade Rayburn, one of the one, uh, the only time that he really got loose with his legs, went around the right side, tiptoed down the sideline, stayed in bounds, scored from fifteen yards out. Chickasha went for two, didn't get it, but it was fourteen twelve. With like two minutes and 13 seconds left, and the Elks were headed into the south wind. It did have all their timeouts, but it, it's kind of, it was one of those you weren't really sure what was going to happen because, you know, a quick three and out. And next thing you know, Chickasha may have a chance to, to take the lead going into the halftime locker room with the wind at their advantage there to end the first half. And instead, that's when Elk City's ground game really started to take control of the football game. Uh, marched it down the field. The one pass play that hit was uh, on a third and long. Kind of a uh, Logan Webb threw it up into the wind. Garbarino made a great adjustment to the ball. He was the only guy. It, it seemed like in of of all twenty well, twenty guys, not counting Logan, uh, the only the only guy that knew where the ball was was Cooper, and he kind of split two defenders to come back forward as the ball hung up in the wind. Made a great catch, and then the Elks would cap that off with a touchdown with four seconds left before the halftime to go up 20 to 12 and receiving the kickoff to start the third quarter and that's where the game was basically put away in my mind uh, the Elks went from up to at 20 to 12 or I'm sorry at 14 to 12 after Chickasha scored with just a, I think 213 on the clock before halftime two touchdowns later without Chickasha touching the ball 
and the Elks are up 28-12 in full command uh, after a long respurt and touchdown run there uh, to start the second half. Chickasha did move it down the field, trying to trying to keep themselves in the game. Uh, but on fourth and two, Derek Owen Shells was stuffed and actually lost a yard. On fourth down, Burton again was one of the ones leading the charge there to make the tackle. And so, you know, Elk City takes over just under eight minutes to play in the third quarter, leading 28-12 from the shadow of their own goal line at the 13. And they proceed to go on an 18-play, 97-yard touchdown drive that completely exhausted the clock in the third quarter and then took up, I think, like a minute and a half even off the fourth quarter. Uh, Punched in there uh, on a run by Burton again, his third touchdown of the night. And you could just see the air completely come out of the Chickasha balloon at that point, just absolutely demoralized them. Um, All 18 plays were run plays. There was nothing fancy. There was nothing flashy. It was just exactly what Coach Maynard talked about right here on this airwaves on Wednesday. It was physical. It was brutal. And it was just unstoppable on that drive. And that really, the game was essentially put away from there. The Elks end up 61 carries for 404 yards last night. Uh, To say that this team has found an identity, I think is an understatement with what they've done on the ground the last two weeks. (coughs) It seems like uh, that wishbone formation and then the different variations off of it. You can go flex bone, you can go out of the eye. Uh, So kind of creating advantages in a way with with, um, the different formations. But like uh, that was talked about all night last night, you don't see as many kind of side-to-side runs. You know, the jet sweeps, it's just dudes coming downhill at you. And listen, everybody knows what what Levy was last year, 26. Just an absolute animal, right? It, It felt like three yards was a guarantee every time he touched the ball at minimum. But I think that's what you're seeing develop a little bit with Catch Gino uh, being the fullback in that wishbone formation. Man, he is an absolute load to tackle. And once it's kind of like the the body blows coming from him, coming from Jaden Wynn, who had an, an, a fantastic game last night. I think 22 carries, 156 yards. He scored the last touchdown. Those guys just hit you and hit you. And the offensive line was fantastic. I mean, anytime you rush for 400 yards, obviously – you got those big guys up front road grading for you, and that's exactly what they did last night. Just, I, I don't think you know outside of some penalties, outside of some, you know, a couple of, of big plays in the passing game that Chickasha was able to hit. You know, those those things did happen, so it's not like you can take them away from the game or whatnot. But if you drew up a, <clears throat> I think a game plan and in a and a flow of the game, if Coach Maynard, uh, that's what it looks like. It looks like just physically dominating the other guy for 48 minutes, and, and essentially that's what happened. Um, Elk City held Chickasha under 100 yards rushing, which that, that had been kind of their calling card here in the early season with the <clears throat> the two-headed running back duo of, of Harrell and, and Owen Shells. The Elks didn't allow them much at all. I think maybe 17 yards was the longest carry, and that was at the end. And so they really bottled up Chickasha's run game. They didn't let Rayburn do much with his legs at all he didn't really try and so all in all you know a, a couple of busts on defense aside and, and some some penalty issues especially in the first half a lot of that got, got cleaned up after halftime but you know just a a dominating performance as as you would have hoped 
uh, on the brown and white side. And so now that sets up a a monster matchup for second place in the district coming up Friday night with Weatherford coming to town. The Eagles went down to cash. It seemed like it was going to be a runaway there as well as Weatherford put up 23 in the first half. And then you looked up at the end of the game and the final score was 23-14. to 14. Kind of wondered what was going on there. Did they just kind of – did Weatherford just – put it in neutral and, and wait on next week. Well, it turns out uh, the quarterback Stone Chisholm suffered an injury and didn't play in the second half. There were all kinds of stuff flying around out there. Who knows uh, what that what it really was. But that's certainly, you know, there's a, a shroud of mystery created by that injury for next Friday. Um, Chisholm has been a, a fantastic player in the Weatherford system. That he runs the ball – really effectively physical guy that can also make throws you know if you start getting the defense up to to stop him or stop Blackman in that run game all of a sudden you know you got uh, obviously CJ Nixon Nick Jett and those guys out on the outside that can make plays so that, that that'll be a huge topic of conversation for the next week exactly what is the status of Chisholm for that game with the Elks and Weatherford next Friday but uh, Weatherford does take care of business. Now the district standings, Clinton alone at 3-0, and Weatherford 3-1, and the Elks right behind at 2-1. and Then Cash and, and Chickasha are next with two losses, Chickasha 2-2, two and two, Cash 1-2. And, and then John Marshall, <clears throat> excuse me, got their first win of the district slate last night, 12-7 over Woodward. So John Marshall alone in what, sixth and then Woodward seventh. Uh, but back to the Big Elks, I, I, I think – it's hard to it's hard to really quantify I think what we've seen so far. First two games against inferior opponents wins that you would expect, the next two against number 1 teams in their classifications in their state with with the Canadian and of course with the juggernaut that is Carl Albert. You know, may, I don't maybe losses weren't expected, but you could certainly understand and then the game at Clinton was the game at Clinton and it Maybe the season wasn't teetering as much as it felt, just because, man, the Bridge Creek game was a long time ago before last Friday, before last Thursday, and the win against Cash. But all, it's it's a little bit akin to maybe not not. To, I don't I don't think anyone was as down on the Elks as maybe they were with OSU before last week. But now turning it around, seeing two performance, two really good performances, physical performances against teams that you, you assume that's what would happen going in. And now, you know, what's the limit? What what is what is kind of the, the ceiling for this team? And I don't know if you could put one on it. Because this is what uh, a lot of people kind of expected would be the product, right? And it's taken maybe longer. It, maybe it's just really good teams were there and, 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 you know, young guys having to fill roles that they hadn't, fill, uh, hadn't had to fill yet. But that's certainly happening right now. And so uh, all of a sudden you start to think of, and, and, and what we were doing it all night last night coming home, what could be the matchups? What are the, you know, looking ahead for, for playoff uh, implications, especially, like I said, after last night, I mean, the Elks essentially cemented their, 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 their place in the 4A playoffs. Now it's just a matter of what's first week, what's second week, and that kind of thing. So. I don't know if that there's that there's a ceiling to be put on this team. It it feels it feels a lot like two years ago, where the Elks were were riding high, then stumbled against Bethany, 
kind of put them behind the eight ball and the Clinton game was was no good. But that team always kind of you, you could you could sense there was something there with those guys, and it's certainly the case with these guys, as everything kind of coming together at the right time for the Big Elks on the football field. So uh, it's going to be an exciting week of buildup for Weatherford coming to town. The Elks have won the last two before uh, before that. Weatherford really dominated that series for a whole bunch of years, a decade or so, and so that. Uh, it's going to be fun to talk about, going to be fun to think about, going to be fun to look forward to coming up next week. Uh, I mentioned uh, the text that we got. What a There was a few things last night that I don't think I've ever seen during a during any football game, high school, college, what it heck even junior high. And one of those was certainly toward the end with a player Losing a shoe, and then throwing it and hitting one of his coaches in the face—that was a wild scene. That was kind of hard to take in. And that's where, when it happened, the text we got from Will was, "I want to know if the cleat to the face could be the big hit of the game." Well, it certainly—it certainly was the worst showing of the game. You know, and. I don't know. There's obviously that game you could sense. You could you could sense from the middle of the first quarter that that the officials had lost control of that game, and quite frankly, did nothing to try to gain it back. And there's no excuse for for anything that happened on either side. Uh, with the with the unsportsmanlike penalties or the you know after extracurricular stuff after the plays it was it was constant last night and sure I'm looking through a, a brown tinted lens it sure seemed like one side was was instigating it more than the other but there was never an effort to get control of it and, and I think that was maybe the most the surprising or shocking or even disappointing part of that game was that it was it just kind of allowed to escalate to that point to where now you see a kid throwing a shoe in the, in, in the face of one of his coaches I, I don't I'm not going to sit here and tell you he aimed at him don't know if that's the case but it was a bad look there's no doubt about it and, and it was a weird game it was a wild game it was you know there, the discipline was lacking for sure but I think there. I, I think that's something that has to be at least discussed. I mean, you, you could sense it coming. You could absolutely sense. Sense. I'm, I'm. Part of me is is pretty glad that it didn't get to a different level. Um, with some of the extracurricular, probably a good thing that uh, that the game ended uh, when it did, instead of getting weird. And yeah, here's another text. It, what. It, it was it was wild to see that happen. It was wild to see a kid hit a coach in the face with her cleat. And it was even more wild to see nothing happen. Just kind of a a bit of a yell to get on the sideline and then dirty looks at most. It's not a good look. It was absolutely not a good look for uh, for anything. And so... Like I said, it was probably ended up ended up being a good thing that that game ended when it did. Uh, so the Elks win, and now big game. 
big, big game with uh, with Weatherford coming up. Yeah, I asked the question, was he mad? He, he didn't – I don't think he did it on purpose. He was frustrated with, quite frankly, the, the beating that was going on on the field and, and the inability <clears throat> of Chickasha to do anything to stop the Big Elks. And his shoe came off. That meant he had to the exit the field. And as he was exiting the field in frustration, he fired his shoe and it hit his coach right in the face. And then nothing happened from there. Let's go over to Sayre. Battle for Beckham County last night. As we were checking on the score throughout the night, it sure seemed as if the Merritt Oilers were on their way to a third straight victory against Sayre. Led 14-8 at halftime, 20-8 in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden the Sayre Eagles kicked it in gear, scored 22 straight to finish off a 30-20 Sayre Eagle victory. And so that means that uh, both of those teams' playoff chances are, are dwindling fast in Class A District 1. But Sayre snaps a two-game losing streak to Merritt with that 30-20 win. Now both teams look ahead. It's a... It's a jumbled up mess in the middle of that district. Everybody's chasing Fairview as the Yellow Jackets look poised for a second straight Class A state title. Seems like every week you look up and Fairview's putting 60-70 on the board. It happened again last night, 69-22 over Moreland. Thomas beat Burns Flatdale City 42-7. Hooker all over Texoma, 60 to nothing. Fairview out on top of that district all alone at 4-1. and one. And you got a couple of one-loss teams behind them with uh, Thomas and Hooker, both at 3-1. and one. The 2-2s two and twos at Texoma and Moreland. Then the 1-3s, and threes, both the Beckham County Schools, Merritt and Sayre. So when you look at look what's ahead for either of those two teams from, from out here, if you're Merritt, a really, really tough finish to this district schedule at Thomas next week, hosting Hooker for their final home game in Week 9 and then have to travel to Fairview Week 10. Sayers not quite as formidable, so maybe the Eagles now have a better chance at crawling back up the ladder and, and figuring out a way to get into the playoffs in Class A. And, and they have the schedule to do it, quite frankly. Burns flat to end, which – the Eagles yet to win a, a district game so far, so that sets up nicely. Then you host Moreland and go to Texoma. If you can win both those games, you would get tiebreakers over over both and probably end up in the fourth spot. So the the road is paved way more clearly for Sayer now all of a sudden after after defeating Merritt than it is for the Oilers because of the win they have in their pocket and then also just the, the difference in schedule with Sayer already playing Hooker and already playing Fairview. You know, they've got uh, they've got the schedule to do it. Now we'll just see if they're able to execute and be the team that can find a way to get there in Class A. And then Hollis kind of struggled around a little bit in the first half against Beaver, but they've mashed the pedal, the skinny pedal to to the floor in the second half. They win forty six to six, even in their district record at one and one. Laverne and Shattuck, uh, crazy how little talk that there was that, about that game this week compared to what it has been for years past. Laverne beat Shattuck twenty eight to twelve. And then Turpin blank Balco forty six nothing. So Laverne and Turpin leading that uh, district at two and zero. Shattuck and Hollis tied for third and four. Or tied for third at one and one. Balco, Forgan, and Beaver down there without a win yet in the district. Uh, if you're Hollis, next week's a huge game. If you can knock off Balco Forgan, then you've got a win over one of the, the the five schools that seemingly are battling for the four spots. 
So if the Tigers can take care of Balco Forgan, I think that punches them a ticket into the Class B playoffs. Then with Turpin and Shattuck next, you kind of figure out where you where you stack up in the district and where that'll send you in the playoffs. So a big one down in Hollis next week with Hollis and Balco Forgan, essentially probably for a playoff spot in the Class B playoffs there in District One. And then around the state, um, scores of note. We were wondering about Tulsa McLean. Wondering about Cushing. That was one of the bigger games in the state uh, last night. Cushing just walloped Tulsa McLean 41-6. to And so uh, maybe that gives us an idea in that in that District 3 race. I wondered if, if McLean had anything for Wagner at some point down, down in the, the stretch of the season. I don't think so. I think that's Wagner and Cushing 1-2 and two, and then see where uh, probably a, a three-way battle for the last two spots between Miami, Ulagaw, and also uh, McLean, which uh, Miami has already lost to Tulsa McLean. So they, they may be on the outside looking in as far as that battle goes unless they can beat Ulagaw coming up next week. So uh, Cushing with a, with a really nice uh, a dominating victory, really 41-6 to over uh, McLean last night. So it gives us an idea of kind of where that everything stacks up. You're starting to see a, a separation in some districts as far as the playoff chase goes. Uh, District 4A2, there's a clear top four and a clear bottom four developing with Blanchard, Tuttle, Newcastle, and Bethany. That's the, also the district to watch for everybody out here because that's the, where the where the pairings come in the first round of the 4A playoffs. That's your high school football from last night. I know there's a few games around today, but not much. Not much going on tonight due to the fall break. We'll take a break. When we come back, it's a huge week in college football, not only in this state for OSU, but also all around the country. It's Garrison Financial Friday. We'll tell you all about Scotty G when we come back. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Hanging out here on a Garrison Financial Friday. Speaking of Garrison Financial, Scott at SoonerWealth.com is Scott's email address. 124 North Main is his address. 821-1219 is his phone number. What does Garrison Financial do for you? Well, they are full finance. He's a full financial planner. He'll shop the open market to bring you the best value on your life insurance and your investments. You know, if you're one of those people that likes to to watch the market and, and think, man, I'd, I I kind of I would mind kind of doing some of that with my money a little bit. I'm just not sure how to get going. Well, 
he can manage your investments for you. Or if you're one of those types of folks, he can charge you hour hourly. He'll build you a plan and then you can, you can manage it yourself. And of course he works with your, um, accountants, streamline all the tax ramifications, make sure all the different returns are filed. Scott at SoonerWealth.com is his email address, Garrison Financial. We appreciate Scott normally in here on these Garrison Financial Fridays. Talk about all things uh, money and sports and, and all kinds of stuff. Also, now this, with the wind blowing right now, kind of good timing, I guess, to, to mention tomorrow at 6 o'clock, the Berlin Fire Station. It is the Berlin Volunteer Fire Department's annual fish fry. It's donation only, and you know it's going to be good. So get out there. 6 o'clock tomorrow, a great cause. The Berlin Volunteer Fire Department's annual fri- uh, fish fry. Donation only there at the Berlin Fire Station. That'd be good stuff right there. Uh, go uh, go support those folks. Uh, they do a they do yeoman's work on unfortunately maybe even days like today <clears throat> when things get dry and the winds get blowing you all know uh, that that fire danger goes up and uh, they uh and need those folks out there uh, battling that stuff when it when it occurs man it's a huge week in college football right you've got uh, the two red river combatants on their buys but Oklahoma state it's it's amazing the, the the conversation that you hear this week surrounding the Oklahoma State football program versus what you heard last week. I mentioned it Monday. It's amazing what a week and a win can do for the perception of OSU football. You know, last week it, it last week when you you heard Big Twelve rankings, you saw Big Twelve rankings. Oklahoma State somewhere between 12th and 14 out of 14, coming off back-to-back losses to South Alabama and also Iowa State, facing the the daunting task of of Kansas State coming to Stillwater, and they put out the, their best performance of the year, knock off the Wildcats, and now with Kansas rolling into town, the the conversation has has gone from. Is this a team that can find a way to win enough games to make a bowl to have a winning season? <clears throat> that was last week. Now this week, the conversation has flown to what's possible. What happens if if Oklahoma State finds a way to beat Kansas with Jason Bean at quarterback? Now what's out there for the Cowboys at 2-1 and one in the Big 12 with a win on on Saturday tied for second place in the Big 12 race behind only 3-0 and Oklahoma what, what what's what's out there could this be could this be a, a, a comeback could this be a team that Beat Kansas, you know, go, going to West Virginia, even though the Mountaineers took one on the chin at the very end of that game last night. I, I've just seen kind of some highlights. What a crazy ending with Houston hitting the Hail Mary to knock off West Virginia, handling, handing, excuse me, West Virginia their first Big 12, uh, Big 12 loss. 
Now of Oklahoma State win at West Virginia, hosting Cincinnati, who's down at the bottom of the – well, it, here's the truth. Oklahoma State was seven more conference games. Three of them against teams that have been here, and then four against the teams that are brand new in the league is a really, really advantageous, advantageous schedule for, with what we've seen with the new guys versus the old guys. You know, take away last night, I mean – West Virginia had that game won until they didn't at the end. But there's a lot a lot that hinges on this game on Saturday for the Cowboys. With what they've got left, I'm sure Oklahoma, but it's in Stillwater. It's Bedlam. Stranger things have happened. And then with the four newbies on the schedule outside of the trip to to Morgantown next week. A win on Saturday puts Oklahoma State back in the conversation at worst of joining somebody else down in Arlington for the Big 12 title. And that's those are words that I don't think anybody even thought of last week, much less spoke into existence. So a really a really big opportunity here, I think, for the Cowboys. It's something that we, we really couldn't see coming before the win last Friday against Kansas State. Let's go to the KU side of this. What is going on with Jalen Daniels? There are crazy rumors out there if you want to buy into them. NIL stuff, <clears throat> red shirt to go somewhere in the portal and not lose a year of eligibility. It's uh, I'm afraid this is going to become more of the the norm in college football as opposed to kind of an anomaly. Now, whether or not some of the stuff that's out there about you know promises made to keep him there that haven't come through, and that's why he's setting, and you can read that kind of stuff out there that there was there there was. You know, NIL is supposed to come his way to stay at KU. It hasn't. That's why he's mad and setting out. Maybe it really is just a, a back injury. Or maybe he's he's got some sort of promise somewhere else. And that's what's, what's kind of fueling this basically redshirt season that he's, he's kind of deciding on his own to have as much uh, availability somewhere else at the end of the season who knows but it's a it's a strange situation and and something that di- that it didn't really feel like was coming with the way that uh Leipold has has built that program it, it seemed like guys had bought in completely to what he's doing and now you see this occurring and and some of the stuff flying around it you, you hope it's just he's got back sp- back spasms and as soon as that clears up He'd be out there for the Jayhawks, but maybe not. Maybe not. So interesting to see tomorrow if the Pokes uh, can pull off off the Kansas double back-to-back and boost themselves right back into a Big 12 title game race. Uh, Across the country, it's it's the first week that we might see some separation out in the Pac-12. Oregon and Washington is the marquee game. In the 
window. Both teams 5-0. and Both teams ranked inside the top 10. Both teams with high-flying offenses. Both teams may be better defenses than you realize. I guess we'll probably – may find that out tomorrow. I don't know. The offenses may just be so good it doesn't matter. But So Oregon at Washington. You know, is, is this a, a separation game in the Pac-12 race for sure? Could this be kind of a, a separation in the Heisman race as well with Bo Nix and Michael Penix going on either side of this game? This should be one of the most entertaining games of the season with that Oregon offense, that Washington offense, 230 in Seattle. <clears throat> it ought to, This ought to be a blast to watch with these two teams going at it. So that that's kind of the that's the first of of many tomorrow a, a sneaky good one also at 2:30 is that SEC game between A&M and Tennessee. If A&M would have been able to get over the Alabama hump last week, this would be a massive game as well, but a little bit of the shine taken off with Alabama winning that game, but uh, A&M at Tennessee, A&M's got to have it to keep in the in the the conversation in the SEC West whatever conversation they're still in uh, another another uh, conference loss here and that really puts them behind the eight ball with that loss to Alabama see what Miami does bouncing back after Mario Cristobal blowing that game with the call not to take a knee last week they're at UNC North Carolina number 12 in the country five and zero, and with the schedules that are kind of all over the place in the ACC with some teams not playing each other. Those three undefeateds left with Florida State and Louisville. You look at uh, North Carolina's schedule, you don't see either. And really this game, they host Duke and at Clemson. To me, kind of the that's the only stumbling, <clears throat> excuse me, the only stumbling blocks on that North Carolina schedule. Uh, so a, a big game for the Tar Heels to kind of keep things rolling. And, of course, you look at, at uh, Florida State schedule, what do you not see? North Carolina or Louisville. So with the mix, the mix and match of, of what's going on with so many teams in that conference, let's start do, doing a whole bunch of research on how the heck they figure out who's going to the ACC title game if nobody ever plays each other and they never lose. So that could be a it could be a wild storyline to follow, but also a chance that the ACC, just by scheduling, might be able to to be able to put a foot forward into the playoff as we roll on throughout the end of the season. Louisville goes to Pitt, and then uh, USC and Notre Dame. This one also lost a little luster with the with the Notre Dame performance last week, losing at Louisville. I think this is a fascinating matchup going in. Obviously, you would think, uh, I don't know how you, you stop USC from scoring, I don't know, 28, 35. It, it seems like almost a given, right? A, a lot like it did here in Norman when, when uh, Lincoln Riley was here. But how in the world, with what we've seen from USC's defense, how are they going to tackle Notre Dame? How are they going to deal with the physicality that Notre Dame plays with. When you think back to to that Ohio State loss, but just the way that game was played and the physical nature of what was going on out on the field that night, 
and you, one could just see Trojans strewn about on every single play on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, Sam Hartman not having to be a giant force in this game because Notre Dame can just run it right down USC's throat. I think this is a fascinating matchup. A chance for a chance for the Trojans to prove something uh, to the country, a chance for Alex Grinch to prove something to the country, a chance for Leak and Riley to prove something to the country that they really haven't. You know what this game reminds me of? This game reminds me of 2021 when a really shaky, undefeated Oklahoma team went down to Waco, Texas to play a really physical Baylor Bears team. And that day, the physicality of Baylor hung the first L of the season on the Sooners. This reminds me a bunch of the styles of that game. See if there's anything lessons learned there, but uh, I know, especially with with Oklahoma not playing this week, I think uh, I can't wait to see the ratings book come out and know how they kind of. A lot of times they show who watched, what what city watched, or had the most viewers. I have a feeling that on Saturday night at six thirty on NBC, there will be more eyes on USC Notre Dame and Oklahoma City than there will be in Los Angeles, California with everybody tuned in, wanting to see Muleshoe, wanting to see Tebow go down for the first time this year at the hands of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, which is so it's so ironic that of all the teams for Oklahoma fans to be forced to root for, Notre Dame being one of them. That's not somebody, I mean, uh, there aren't a whole bunch of others that would fit that bill worse, uh, I think, for OU fans. But Notre Dame's certainly high up on the list of teams you don't want to root for, but I promise you there will be a whole bunch of people doing it come Saturday night in South Bend. Also, UCLA, Oregon State, it's just another huge battle in the Pac-12. 18 versus 15, one-loss team. This is probably elimination game as far as the Pac-12 title game goes, uh, you know, there's just so many teams with, with zero or one losses. If you drop down to a second Pac-12 loss, that really puts you behind the eight ball. So that, that probably an elimination game there for the loser of UCLA-Oregon State, kind of keeping them out of the discussion for a Pac-12 title game appearance later on in the season. So huge, huge, huge week in college football. It seems like once the, once the calendar turns to October, on the march to the first week of December in the conference title games, we always get like two or three of these, you know, separation Saturday or whatever it's going to be labeled. You always get two or three of these uh, throughout the the months of, of October and, and November, hopefully four if you're lucky for half of them to really, really matter. And this is one of those with a bunch of these games uh, across the country that will really impact not only conference title races, but also ultimately who makes the playoff. Once the, once the conference titles are decided. Step aside when we come back, hit some NFL, hit some Major League Baseball. Wrap up a, a week here on the Skinny on Sports with the Garrison Financial Friday. Don't go anywhere. Got any questions about anything, text it in 225-9698. We'll discuss. 
when we come back right here on the Skinny on Sports. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Security is offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal wrapping up the week on the Garrison Financial Friday. Looking outside, it's cooler. Much, much cooler today. Wind howling out of the north. Wind advisories from now until later on this afternoon. Highs probably not not expected to get up into the 60s, and that north wind steadily at 25 to 30 could gust as high as 45. So it's kind of a rocks-in-your-pocket type day to keep you planted on planet Earth with that wind blowing. And it kind of woke me up when it hit because our bedroom windows faced the north. All of a sudden, it was kind of like everything shook. You know, what what just happened? Um, and then it's just been steady from there. So uh, fall temperatures out there, windy weather as well out of the north. Uh, not affecting the games tonight, though, since everybody basically played last night on the high school football gridiron. I want to talk a little bit about the Major League Baseball playoffs. The, the Philadelphia Phillies knock off the Braves in game four last night. Advanced to the National League Championship Series. You read a bunch of stuff online, especially after that game. Uh, people upset. People upset that the, at the fact that when you look at the regular season standings, you had three teams that won 100 games and one that won 99. 101 for Baltimore, 99 for Tampa. The Braves are at 104. The Dodgers at 100. And nobody, nobody in that foursome has made the championship series. And a matter of fact, only a Braves comeback in game two against Philadelphia from down 4-0 to win 5-4, that's the only game those teams won. Texas swept Baltimore, three games to none. You had uh, Texas sweeping the Devil Ray or the Rays 2-0 in the in the wild card series. The Diamondbacks sweeping out the Dodgers. And then the Phillies three games to one over the Braves. So let's throw it one in eleven for the best four teams in the league according to the regular season win totals. And now you hear howling all over the country about too many teams make the playoffs. So that doesn't mean the best teams are going to be at the end. Do you subscribe to that? Does that make any sense to anybody? I mean, it, the the regular season in, in Major League Baseball is the most grueling 
trip to the playoffs there is, 162 games. And and I understand the, the theory behind it, right? You, you go, you play 162 games from, from what, April to, to September, playing minimum of about five times a week. And then you get to the most important part of the season and, and the best four teams – well, in this, in this case, three of the best four because the, the Rays and the, and the Orioles were in the same division. But three of the best four teams as far as win totals in the regular season then get a week off, something that they haven't had since February. And then they're expected to, to crank it up and, and be ready to go. I, I, can, I guess I can understand the theory of it, right? I, I see where that's coming from and, and the challenge that that, that presents. But I don't know if that's I don't know if that's enough to to start radically overhauling what's happening in, happening in the major league playoffs. I just say play better. I mean, I do I do think there may be something too. You know, these teams battling down the stretch to to earn wild card spots to earn division wins, essentially playing playoff games for for two or three weeks heading into the playoffs. But that's not a – just one one anomaly season like this isn't enough. You know, the Dodgers do it every year, but not everybody else. And then, of course, a resident Astros fan texted in that uh, the, the Astros managed to crank it up every season at this time, which is very true. Very, very, very true. So I think this is just a little bit of sour grapes, a little crying over some spilled milk, whatever – analogy you want to use there for that play better you managed to win all those games in the regular season maybe maybe just maybe instead of the the format of the playoffs being wrong the makeup of your team is wrong maybe your team is built to win games in the regular season but isn't built to win a three five or seven game series in the playoffs maybe that's the problem with what's going on you know, in Atlanta or in, in, in with the Dodgers. Or maybe you just maybe you just got tough maybe you just got tough matchups because of the way those wild card series went. You had to play a, a division opponent. You don't see that all the time either. But I think that with the familiarity that you get with what's quote unquote underdog teams, you think Philly was scared of of the Braves? Hell no, they beat them last year in the playoffs. What is there to be what is there to be scared about if you're Philadelphia? No matter who won how many games in the regular season, the Phillies don't care. And so, at the end of the day, play better. You play. You played that well all season. You play. You played well enough to win 104 games in the regular season. Play better when it matters. How about Nick Castellanos? You know, it's not often. Major League Baseball has happened for a long, 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 long time. And when you do something, and, and honestly, it could be good or bad. It could be good or bad. But when you do something that has never happened in baseball, it's a pretty good accomplishment or, or a pretty bad accomplishment, depending on what you're doing. But last night, Nick Castellanos became the first player in history of the Major League Baseball playoffs to hit multiple home runs in back-to-back postseasons. You know, lost in the drama on Wednesday night. 
of Bryce Harper going deep twice and staring down the Braves as he as he went around the bases. Lost in the drama of that was Castellanos knocking, uh, hitting two home, two hitting two home runs as well on Wednesday. Then he does it again last night. So, uh, you know, it's a uh, between that and the the infamous call of of Tom Brenneman apologizing for what he said on air as he hits a home run. I mean, Nick Castellanos is a he, he's one of those guys that's going to be remembered forever, right? I mean, it's just a. Uh, kind of some crazy circumstances around him, but uh, yeah, doing something nobody's ever done. So, you know, here's the deal about the baseball playoffs. In my mind, a whole bunch of unless you have your team, you know, unless you're Atha rooting for the for the Rangers or John David rooting for the Astros or Will rooting for the Cubs, unless you're one of those guys that's bought in on a really on not maybe not day by day, but for sure week by week basis throughout the regular season, unless you're one of those types of people that follow baseball that closely. I don't think most of us care who was in the baseball playoffs just because it, the, the product becomes so much more intriguing and so much more intense when it gets to the playoff rounds. And I, I think for a majority of, of Americans, just watching watching the baseball playoffs is good enough. So I, I don't know that... I don't know how many people really care that that you're not getting Atlanta and, and the Dodgers in the NLCS, or you're not getting you know Rays Orioles in the ALCS. I don't think anybody, I don't think that really matters. I think what does matter is just getting to see really good baseball in this point in time, and that's what we're going to get. Uh, I mean, if the battle for Texas isn't intriguing enough for you, I don't know what to tell you. Enjoy it. Enjoy that, and, and it ought to be fun to finish out here. And, and, and let's be honest. How many of you are really paying attention to baseball anyway? Probably not a ton. That'll do it for this week. Skinny on Sports. Right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Channel. It's, Gar- it's Garrison Financial Friday. Thank you to Scott. Garrison Financial. Scott at Soonerwealth.com is his address. 124 North Main is his or his email is Scott at Soonerwealth.com. 124 North Main is his address. 8211219 is his phone number. Everybody have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to 